Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. It is great to welcome you, all of you guys in the cafe. We love you guys more than anything. Thank you for being a part of worship today at Woodburn Baptist Church. If you're joining us by audio, video podcast, Facebook Live, or whatever, walkie-talkie, uh, light bright, whatever it is you're using this morning, we welcome you as well. Everybody open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to start a new message series uh, first one of the new year entitled, The Man Who Had Everything. Who was the man who had everything? Yeah, see, spoiler alert, th there was a man who had everything and it was not Solomon, but the sermon series, The Man Who Had Everything, is about Solomon. And we're going to be learning lessons from the life of Solomon. Who was Solomon? Oh, we're going to have to start way back at the beginning, aren't we? Who's, who was Solomon's father? King David. And who was Solomon's mother? Yeah, Bathsheba. That Bathsheba. Yeah, Bathsheba. So when Solomon would say, Mama, tell me the story about how you and Daddy met, she would always change the subject. It was always awkward. Uh, Solomon was the second son of uh, King David and his wife Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. You know, you know that story. He was the second son. What happened to his older brother? He died as an infant. Yeah, he, he died in infancy. Uh, Bathsheba and uh, David had a, a baby together that died, and then they were blessed with a second son whose name is Solomon, whose name means peace. Yes, yeah, Solomon. It's close to the probably the only Hebrew word you know, which would be shalom. Yeah, it's, it's the same root, the same word. Uh, Solomon's name is pronounced something like Shlomo, uh, Shalom. Uh, it means peace. Solomon's name means peace, but God sort of gave him a nickname too at his birth. God said, why don't you just call this boy Jedediah, which means loved of God. Yeah, so Solomon had that uh, sort of beginning. He's an interesting, interesting story of his birth. He was born in about the year Ready? Uh, about 1,000 B.C., 990 B.C. So we're talking about B.C. Solomon was born in about 1,000 B.C. He uh, became king on his father David's throne at about the age of 20, something like that in his 20s. And he reigned for about 39 years. And he died at the age of 59, yeah, something like 59, yeah. So that's Solomon, the man who had everything, we say. Um, over the course of this series, actually over the course of Solomon's life, there's sort of one question that hangs over all of it. And it's a simple question. What do you do when you're the man who has everything? What do you do when you're the man who has everything? So let's look at 1 Kings chapter 3. And uh, this isn't really the start of his life, but it's sort of where Solomon's story begins. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, going to start in verse 3. This is so good. I think some of you will know this story. Some of you won't know this story, but this is amazing. Look at what God does to begin Solomon's reign. First Kings chapter three, verse three. First thing said about Solomon here in verse three, first words are very, very important because these won't be the words we'll use at the end of his life. So notice what it says at the beginning of his life. First Kings chapter three, verse three starts out by saying, Solomon, love the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship, the high places of worship. Isn't that interesting? It tells us that Solomon loved the Lord, but instantly qualifies that. But, 
but he still worshiped at the high places, the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and God said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Whatever you want. Stop, think about that. Let that sink in. God said, what do you want? Whatever you want, ask and I'll give it to you. Solomon replied, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, oh Lord, my God, You have made me a king instead of my father, David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they can't be counted. Give me an understanding heart. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord is pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he invited all his officials to a great banquet. Wow, don't you love that? Whatever you want, ask for it, whatever you want. Now, in the 1960s, it was, I dream of genie. How many of you remember, I dream of genie? Old people, raise your hands and listen to the old bones creak. Yeah, right there. I dream of Jeannie. Who was Jeannie? Who played her? Barbara Eden. Yes, she was beautiful, beautiful. Barbara Eden. Who played? What's his name? Yeah, what was his name? Larry Hagman. Who did he play? What was? Yeah, he was an astronaut, right? Yeah, I don't remember any of that stuff, y'all. I was born in 1965. I think that's the year that show came out. I kind of remember the theme song. You remember the theme song? Can anybody do it? In cafe right now, y'all stop, stop everything, push pause. My sister can sing the I Dream of Genie theme song. I promise you, I promise you she can. It didn't have words, it was just something like. Yeah, it was the 60s, y'all, it was awesome. I Dream of Genie. Uh, in the 90s, it was Disney's movie Aladdin. Yeah, Aladdin was an awesome movie. I remember that. Yeah, everybody remember Aladdin? Yeah. You know they're remaking that? It's coming out in May. It's a live action Disney movie, Aladdin. Guess who plays the genie? Will Smith. Will Smith. Is that not good? We're going to cancel church and all go because that is going to be awesome. Yeah. 
Whether it's a genie in a bottle or a genie in Aladdin's lamp, it's one of the most ancient stories in the book. This is an ancient, ancient legend, the legend of the genie, the genie that pops out of whatever it is it's been contained in. And when the genie is is allowed to escape the bottle, what does the genie do? Whoever has set him free, he offers them what? Three wishes. Yeah, three wishes. Apparently, there are a couple of limits to that. Number one, you can't ask for more wishes. Yeah, <laughs> you can't ask for more wishes. That's not allowed because that's where I'll think, well, I'll just ask for all the wishes, but you can't do that. In Aladdin, the Disney movie, he says he can't kill anybody or bring anybody back from the dead or make somebody fall in love with you. So, like, what good is he now if he can't do those things? But it's just that idea. I mean, that's the appeal, right? This ancient, amazing story that's captivated this generation after generation. What's the fascination? What's the draw? That idea of three wishes, anything you want. So if you could have anything you want, what would you ask for? What would you ask for? Because it's, more or less the offer that God lays out for Solomon. Anything you want, Solomon. What do you want? Verse five, ask, I will give it to you. That's amazing. Do you think God holds that same offer out to you and me today? Is he still saying that? Whatever you want. Hmm. Jesus does say, ask and it shall be given given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. Anything you ask in my name, Jesus says, uh, that you will receive. Yeah. There's a sense in which it's true. There's probably a sense in which it's not true. I'll be honest. I'm not sure this offer is extended to us in the very same way. This is pretty complicated when you stop and think about it. When you read this story, it's This is a really complicated and deep story. It's a beautiful story. I don't know if God offers it to us in in the very same way. For, For one thing, God has different purposes for all of us. And whatever God does is always for our good, and it's always to bless us and to give us a hope and a future, all of that. God always only intends good things for us. And God doesn't withhold anything from us that would be for our good. God is always, always a good, good father who loves to give us good gifts. I mean, that's what the scripture says. So no question, he's a good father. He gives us everything good. I don't know if that means he gives us everything, everything. In Solomon's case, he gets everything, everything. He gets what he asked for, and then he gets everything he didn't ask for. He just gets the whole store. Do you see that? And this beautiful, it's amazing. I don't know if God's going to give you the whole story. I'll just be honest. I mean, he gives Solomon wealth. He gives Solomon wisdom. He defeats his enemies. I mean, he gives Solomon everything. I'm not sure he's going to give you everything. He gives Solomon everything because it suits God's purposes for Solomon. God had a very specific purpose in the world for Solomon. And God has a very specific purpose in the world for you. Make no mistake. And your purpose is not the same as Solomon's, but it's not less than, it's just as important. God created you for a reason, for a purpose. And God's gonna give you everything necessary for you to accomplish everything he wants you to do, always. 
He will put everything in your hand that you need to complete the work that he has for you to do. Does that make sense? And Solomon's role in the world, Solomon's purpose in the world was very unique, as unique as as yours and mine. And so in this particular instance, God gives Solomon everything, everything. Now, the other reason I'm not sure that God would make this same offer to you and me is because I'm not even sure how we would answer that. Like, how would you, even if I didn't want to say something dumb, and I'm sure I would say something dumb, and this is the other thing, we just got to reckon with y'all, we're dumb. You don't ask us this kind of question because we'll ask for something stupid. We won't know it's stupid. We'll ask for a BB gun and shoot our eye out, right? I mean, isn't that how it works? We don't ever really know what we're asking for. We think that what we want, it must be a good idea because we want it. I want a million dollars. I can't imagine how that would be a bad idea. So God, million dollars. I mean, I would just ask for something like that. Or I, I would ask for biceps. Boom. Wouldn't that be, and a million dollars. Boom. You know, I would start asking for stuff like that. You know? But the thing is, I don't always know what I want. Seriously. And I don't always know at all what's best for me. So I don't know if this is an offer that, that God should even offer me and you. How would you make that discernment? How could you possibly know? If God were to say, I'll give you anything, how would you even begin to know what to ask for? So we always say that Solomon asked for wisdom, and he does, but we're going to talk about that in a moment. But, but I just want to say off the bat, man, this dude exhibits a lot of wisdom in just the way he answers this question. Because this isn't really just a blank check kind of question. It is. It, it is. But it's more than that. This is a test of character. When you give a man an opportunity like this, I'll give you anything you want. Understand, the next thing that man says will tell you everything about that man, that woman. When you give Solomon the opportunity to have anything that his heart desires, at that moment, you're going to begin to understand what that man's heart desires. And that's very important. You understand, as much as anything, this is a test of character. Solomon. What do you want? Ask. I will give it to you. So again, I remind you, the the way Solomon's heart begins to unfold here, the way his brain works to arrive at what he asked for is, is, is very instructive, very important. Solomon replied, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. Okay, right there. If someone asks you the question, what do you want? What's gonna be the first word out of your mouth? I, I want pizza. You know, I want, I mean, it's it's a question that naturally invites you to be you, you know? And you can ask for what you want. I mean, this is the question. But notice that the first word out of Solomon's mouth is not I. As a matter of fact, it takes him a while to get around to saying the word I. And when he gets to I, 
Even then he's not going to say, I want. The first word out of Solomon's mouth is you. God, you. I said that when you ask about what a man's heart desires, immediately you're going to find out something about this man's heart. And what we find out here is that Solomon has a heart for God. I mean, when the question is, what do you want? Instantly, he begins to go back to God. And he thinks about God, and, and he thinks about his father, David, and he thinks about how good God was to his father, David, how God blessed his father, David. He was honest and true and faithful to you, and you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. I mean, Solomon's talking about himself there, but Solomon sees himself as a character in this bigger story that's not about him. Are, are y'all with me? He sees himself in this story where he's not really the main character at all. He is a character in a larger story that's about God and what God is doing in the lives of the nation. I mean, Solomon's not all about Solomon here. He starts thinking about what God has done even before Solomon was born. God, you were so good to my father. My father sat on this glorious throne, and now you're still being good to my father by letting his son sit on the throne. I mean, you know, that's him, but... That's the way he sees his life. It's, it's about God's goodness even before he was there. God's just good. Understand how different your life would be if, if that's the way your brain worked, if that's what was at the very desire of your heart. If, if I ask you any question in the world and what starts pouring out is, is, is this a praise of the goodness of God, you understand what that would say about you? Do you understand how different your life would be if you could see yourself as a character in a story, but you're not the main character? Understand? If we asked you, tell me anything you want, but it would take you a long time to get around to what you want. Do you understand what that would say about you? Because I'm telling you, we know that Solomon ultimately is going to ask for wisdom, but I'm telling you, this is one wise person right now already. I I mean, this is an incredible, incredible depth of character and heart. Verse 7, now, O Lord... My God, you have made me a king instead of my father David, but I, here we go, I, he's back to I, now, oh yeah, back to that, I want, no, no, you made me a king instead of my father David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around, okay, in truth, he is not a child, he's in his 20s, he's a fully grown man, not a child. But he says, God, you you have put me in this situation. You've blessed me and and put me on this throne. And and I'm like a little child. It's like you have put this crown on my head, but I am not big enough to wear it. I am called to lead these people, but I don't even know where I'm going. You, You see this? It's beautiful. I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own people. The nation's so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. Verse 9. Now we're at it. Now, Finally, he's going to ask for what he wants. Remember, God says, I'll give you anything you want. Anything you want. And what's he asked for in verse 9? You look at the verse, you tell me, what does he ask for? Give me an understanding heart. What Solomon asked for is nothing outward, 
not new clothes, not naturally curly hair, straight teeth, biceps. He asked for something inward. God, I want you to shape my heart. I want a different kind of heart. I want to be a different kind of man. I'm really into this. Are y'all with me in this? Are, are, are y'all listening to this? I, I want to be a different kind of man. This is not at all about what Solomon wants so much as what Solomon wants to become. Do you see that? It's not so much about what he wants in the moment. It's about what he wants to become. And all of this has to do with others. Do you see that? It's what he wants to become for the sake of others. Because Solomon recognized that he has been placed in a very important situation. He, as he begins to think about what he wants, he stops and thinks about what God has already done for him, what God's already given him. And, and that's a really good place to start every day. Before you start thinking about what God can give you next, why don't you stop and, and realize what he's already given you? Because this is what Solomon does. And he says, God, you've already given me the throne of my father David. I mean, before you ask for what you want next, stop and realize what God has given you. And Solomon realizes, I have this throne. I am sitting on the throne of this great nation, and, and I am not worthy of this. I'm not enough for this. I'm leading people, and I don't have a clue where I'm going. Like a child. He's not a child, but, but before God, he is as a child. He's dependent. I'm totally dependent, he says. I'm dependent on you, God. I'm like a child, and you're my father, and I, and I need you, and, and I need something done in my heart. If I'm going to fulfill this purpose you have for me, do you see this? Do you understand what he's asking for? Literally what he asks for Verse 9, the New Living Translation calls it an, an, an understanding heart. But literally what he asked for is a hearing heart. God, give me a hearing heart, a heart that hears. You know, all through Scripture, you know, Jesus continues to say, let everybody who has ears, let them hear. Let everybody who has ears, let them hear. I mean, honestly, just getting you and me to listen, getting us to hear something, it, it, it's the first task. It's the fundamental task, but it's what Solomon understands. Oh God, more than anything else in all the world, I need a heart that hears. I need a heart that hears your voice. I mean, in this moment of worship where Solomon has just offered a thousand burnt offerings, he's listening to God, he's hearing God in this silent high place, he's able to hear God. But Solomon wants to hear God in the mess of his life. When he goes back onto the job, surrounded by this great nation of people who all need something from him. And Solomon understands these people need something from me. I'm the leader. Of all the things that God has already given Solomon, God has given Solomon influence. He has influence. And Solomon realizes that with influence comes an incredible responsibility. If you're going to lead people... If you're going to be something in the lives of other people, then you got to be something. If you're going to lead people somewhere, then you need to have somewhere to go. You need to know where you're going. Solomon says, I, I, I need a hearing heart. I need a hearing heart because I got people counting on me. I got a nation looking to me for leadership, and I don't know where I'm going. Give me a heart that hears. 
Understand, this is a fundamental principle for your own life. In your life, God's voice must be the loudest and clearest thing of all. In your life, God's voice must be the loudest and clearest thing of all. God's voice speaking to you, that, that still small voice guiding you through your every day, that must be the loudest and clearest thing of all for you. You need a hearing heart too. You need to know what God says in every moment of the day. You need to know how he's directing you, how he's leading you. The, the, the voice of God must be louder to you than the voice of money, than the voice of your boss at work. It's got to be louder to you than all of the emergencies that pop up around the house because there's always an emergency around the house, right? I mean, God's voice has to be the loudest and clearest thing of all. You have to have a heart that hears God's voice because you have influence too. And I know you're not the king of nothing, the queen of nothing. You're not the president of anything. I, I know that. I, I understand that. But that doesn't mean this doesn't apply to you. You have influence. I'd say every person in this room, every person in the cafe, everybody in the sound of my voice, there is somebody on this earth who depends on you. That they need you. You have influence over them. When, when you speak, it matters to them. It, it affects them. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we could just stop right now, and I, I could preach for the rest of this week just to men right here about your responsibilities as, as, as husbands and fathers. Don't you understand that you have influence, a tremendous influence over the lives of your kids? And you don't get this, sir. You don't seem to understand this. You have influence, and what you do matters, not just to you. Do you understand? This is not a story in which you are the hero, the main character. You're a character in a greater story. And long after you're gone, your children will continue to, to pay the price for the choices you make in your own life. And you don't understand that because you think it's all about you. And so every day is about what you want. You wake up every morning asking yourself what you want and how can you make this family help you get what you want? And then you go to work and work's the same way. How can you use this job in order for you to get what you want? And you've never really understood that this is not about you. None of this is about you. You have influence. Years ago, on a Saturday night, um, I got a call from a family in the church who just had a knockdown, drag out fight. Knockdown, drag out fight. And the father put his fist through a wall and left the house. This was years ago, and that family's gone, y'all, so don't be looking down your pew. <laughs> that morning, Sunday school teacher who didn't know the story had their little boy in, in her class, and he wouldn't behave. He was out of control. And she didn't know what, what was wrong with him. She didn't understand what had gotten into him. So she did what you do, I guess. She sent him to my office. Like I'm the principal or something, you know. So the little boy came to my office. And he, he sat down in my chair and instantly went to sleep. Because that night, you know, his daddy put his fist through the wall and left the house and now mama dragged the family to church and the little boy, you know, 
How's he supposed to know how to act, Dad? Little boy slept in my chair, and I, I said his hair was just a bed head, and just like one of those cow licks in the back, you know, like this. And I just thought, dang it, you know, that kid has a daddy, and it is that daddy's job, you know, to spit in his hand and make that cow lick lay down. And, and whatever in the world that daddy was doing that morning, it was not more important than slicking down that kid's cow lick. You know what I'm saying? You just got to be there. You, you have to be there, and you have to do whatever is necessary to see that you are there because you have a job to do, sir. You have a responsibility. You have influence. And the choices you make affect people. They affect people. And it's not just your own life that you're ruining. Do you not understand this? You're ruining the lives of other people who count on you. And I could switch this and talk to mama too. Would you like me to? I mean, we can switch this. It's not just men. It's not just men. It's the teenagers in this church who complain to me that they wish their mama would just put down the phone. Mama won't get off Facebook. Mama goes on Facebook to brag on her kids, but she won't look at her own kids in the face and brag on them to their face. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like the kids, you know, all kids, they just want attention and affection and approval from their parents. And they don't get it. I mean, they'd have to go on Facebook to read, to see their own picture, to see how proud mama is because mama won't put down Facebook to give the kids attention, attention and approval and affection. And if they don't get it from their parents, they're going to go out and try to find it from other people. This is why your daughter is out of control. It's why your daughter is already acting like, you know, a 30-year-old woman chasing after men because she never got attention, approval or, or any kind of affection from her father, from her mother. I don't know if I'm still preaching Solomon or if I'm on something else. <laughs> I want a hearing heart, Solomon says. I want a hearing heart. Give me a hearing heart so that I can lead your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. Who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Standing just under, he recognizes I'm in this position of influence. People are counting on me now. I want to come through. I want to come through for people. The people looking to me for leadership, I want to lead them. The people looking to me for attention and approval and affection, I want to give it to them. I want to be there. I want to be what I'm supposed to be. God, you have put me in this position. I just want to fulfill this position really well. I want to do a good job. I want people to be able to count on me and trust in me. I want to be able to deliver what you put me in this world to deliver. God, give me a hearing heart, an understanding heart. In your life, God's voice must be the loudest and clearest thing of all. Have I said that yet? Have you heard it yet? Oh, God, I just want a hearing heart. Now, we always say, and verse 10 says, what Solomon was asking for was wisdom, but understand what he asked for. It's wisdom. You better believe it's wisdom, but what he asked for is a hearing heart. I want a heart that's soft toward you, God. I want a heart that's soft toward others. I, I, I just want to, I want to know how to listen. 
Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and not asked for a long life or wealth or death of your enemies or pizza, I will give you what you asked for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had. And I will give you everything you didn't ask for. <laughs> I know what you're thinking now. You're thinking in a minute when I say every head bowed, every eye closed, you're going to say, God, give me wisdom. You know, wink, wink. Give me wisdom. Because you're hoping what? He's going to say, oh, she asked for wisdom. So I'm also going to give her a new car. (laughs) No. No. Certainly you understand this story is much deeper than that. But it does give you a really, really good model for your own life. Uh, We can look at this as a prayer because it is a conversation with God. But... And let's talk about it that way just to wrap up, but think about it as much as just like a one-time prayer, more a way of being in the world, a, a way of being in relationship to God and everybody else. So, so, so let's start here. First off, notice what he says in verse 7. Now, O Lord, my God. Remember, he started out saying, you are my father's God. You were great and faithful to my, to my father David. You're, you're, you're a great God to my father David. My father trusted you. But verse 7, now, O Lord, my my God, you've got to acknowledge that God is God, but but that he is your God. He's got to be your God. I visit Woodburn all the time, and it's funny. I visit, everybody in Woodburn goes to church, y'all. The problem is, if you walk down the streets of Woodburn, like, everybody's home. Like, they're all home right now, but if you visit them, they go to church somewhere, like, in Butler County. Like, they go to Butler County Church, and I say, why, you, why, why is there a church in Butler County? They said, well, that was my grandma's church, you know. So in other words, what they're telling me is one time when I was five years old, I spent it out with grandma and she dragged me to a church in Butler County and I guess that's still my church, you know. I put my gum under a pew there, so I imagine that that makes it my church. No, you got to understand Your grandma had a tremendous relationship with God. She's in glory now because of Jesus, but that doesn't do anything for you. Your grandma had a fantastic relationship with God. Your parents may have a tremendous relationship with God, but if you don't have your own relationship with God, then you're in a world of hurt. So you start here. Acknowledge that God is God, but more importantly, he's your God. He's got to be your God. That means you bow your knee before him. It means you want to have a heart that hears his voice. It means you allow him to be the Lord and master of everything you do. He is the wisdom behind all of your decisions. He is the strength in every moment of your weakness. He is the God who heals you, blesses you, and he is the God you call upon and trust. Your God. He has to be your God. Now, next. Notice what Solomon does next. Lord, my God, you've made me king instead of my father. And I'm like a little child. I remind you, he's not a child. He's a grown man. But he's acknowledging his limitations. God, I don't have what it takes. I do not have the wisdom. I do not have the righteousness. I don't have anything that that, that this life requires. The, The life that would please you, the life that would serve others. I don't have that in me. You tell me to love my enemies, I don't have that in me. You tell me to forgive those who who offend me, I don't have that in me. You tell me to die to self every day and live for others, live for you, Jesus, I don't have that in me. You understand? You acknowledge your own limitations. You confess your sins. And you just realize that you really, really, really need a Savior. 
You really, really need a God who's going to come along and pick you up because you cannot stay on your feet. I mean, you don't. I mean, I'm not insulting you. You just don't. You don't. You can't. If you could do it by yourself, you would not need the Lord. But you cannot do this by yourself. It's not going so great for you, sir. Let's just be honest. So acknowledge that. So freedom comes. Recognizing I don't have what it takes. I cannot be the man that I want to be. I can't be the husband. I can't be the father. I can't be the pastor. I am nothing. Nothing. I don't have it in me. Man, when you get to that point, when you stop thinking that you're something that you're not, when you stop thinking that you're better than you are, when you stop thinking that you're just so smart or just so pretty or just so good at everything, when you just get over yourself, then you may begin to discover that there is a God greater, a God who is there for you to give you everything that your heart desires and you don't understand. Acknowledge your own limitations. And then lastly, ask for the wisdom you need to serve him, whatever he's called you to do. Man, you are on this earth with a purpose. Well, if I got a purpose, Brother Tim, I don't have any idea what it is. I've been looking for a purpose. I've been looking for purpose my whole life. I've been, I prayed for purpose. I prayed when I got out of high school. God showed me his will for my life. And he never showed me nothing, so I went to work at Holly Carburetor. He never showed me nothing, so I just, you know, don't reckon I have a purpose. I don't know your exact purpose, but I can tell you in one word what it is. And I think if you'd start there, the Lord would lead you to the rest of it. You ready? Your purpose in one word? Others. Others. It's about others. Jesus says, greater love has no one than that they would lay down their life for their friends. Understand, others. Your life used on behalf of others. In other words, people, not you. Everything you have, you dedicate for the good of others. Remember all through Advent, I was preaching a sermon series called Riches to Rags. Is this not what Jesus shows us? That whatever you have, you lay it aside for the sake of others? Isn't this what love always does? Is this not what love always calls us to do? You lay down your life for others? I don't know what your purpose is, but I promise it's not about you. Solomon's greatest moment. It's kind of like a blank check, though not really. It's more a test of character because when you ask a man about what's in his heart and you get to see what's in his heart, you're going to find out a whole lot about that man, that woman. So God says, what does your heart desire? You just name it. I'll give you whatever you ask. Solomon says, give me a hearing heart. A hearing heart. It's never going to be about what Solomon 
wants. It's going to be about the person he wants to become for the sake of others. Do you understand? You want to be something in life? You want your life to be great? Greatness is always, always, always measured by the effect of your influence in the lives of others. So in other words, for us, your life, the, the, the success of it, the, the rewards of it, the purpose of it, always going to come down to what you manage to do in Jesus' name in the lives of others. I don't know what else in the world you could possibly do. Pray with me.